Father, this morning we just come to you. Your word says the entrance of your word brings light. And you said, you are the light. And your word says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word is God. You are light, you are the word, your word is light, and the entrance of your word brings light. And then you said, Lord, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Therefore, Father, I pray, as we receive your word, it will continuously become life in us. So that when we go out into those places you have appointed us, people will see, perceive the life of Christ. That we truly might be witnesses of the living God. So speak to us this morning. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you have noticed, when these terrible, tragic events that take place, especially in this nation, in this nation, you see the reaction of the public. And you see the reaction of the family and the relatives and the friends of the victims. You notice the reaction? Now my child's soul can rest in peace. Everybody is excited. But if you notice, when this thing takes place in the Christian context, whether here or other places, right? Graham Staines and his sons were burned to death in Egypt. One of the first things his wife said was, I forgive. Last week, a murderer was sentenced to life in a court in U.S. And before he was taken out, the victim's wife or husband, I'm not very sure, hugged the perpetrator and forgave him before he was taken. Like I said, all these is to show our God is different. Like I said, even an obituary column, you will see our God is different. How we respond to personal tragedies, how we respond is different. Because our God is living. Our God is living. We have a living God. And therefore, when we see this, hear this news, read this stuff, always check our heart. How do we respond? How do we respond? Because that shows us what we hear, what we believe, whether it's becoming life in us. So coming back to today's primary text is from Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 15 to 17. Last Sunday we saw Simon, Simon. The fall from grace of Simon and the restoration of Simon Peter. The one question Christ asks is, do you love me? More than all these. Okay? We're looking back at 2019. 11 months are over and 8 days almost over. And we are also looking forward into 2020 that is coming. This is what scripture says. See then you walk circumspectly. Carefully. 
not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. One man said, the poor value money, the rich value time. The man is me. You can write it down. <laughs> the poor, <laughs> the poor value money. The rich value time. Like I said, there's only one commodity on planet Earth. You lose, you never get back. That will define our life and our eternity. That is time. That is one place where is God is absolutely fair and just. It doesn't matter which part of the world you live in, which family you were born in, what state you were born in. You don't get a second more than 24 hours. Okay? That's why we make use of that three full hours. And we preach for one hour, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. We don't let you off before 12. You know why? Because I'm a good steward of time and money. For every minute, we pay 34 rupees. I'm not going to let you go early. Because there, there is no refund downstairs. <laughs> okay, Time. So please keep all that in mind. And let's look. And if you were there on Wednesday, if not, I will request you, log in, listen. Okay? Turn to Ecclesiastic chapter 3 and verse 1. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Please remember this. There is a time and there is a season. There is a season to everything under heaven. There is a time and a season. Like I said on Wednesday, heaven is not, heaven meaning God is not caught in time. It's the only entity who is outside of time. Not demons or angels. They're all caught in time. God is not. God is not. You will say, how can angels and demons be caught in time? I'll prove to you later. So there are times and there are seasons. We heard many times before. We heard on Wednesday too also in the Greek New Testament. You have three words primarily for time. We don't talk about the third one because it's not important, but chronos. And Kairos. Kronos is a period of time. From that you get, I gave you two examples. Chronology and the book of Chronicles. It's the history of the kings of Israel and Judah. Chronos. 2019. If you want to look at it has Chronos. Kairos is specific times. It's also translated as opportunities. Opportunities don't come always. In this chronos of 2019, 11 months and 8 days, there would be certain moments. You missed it, you missed it. It doesn't come back. Unless God is very merciful and gives you the same chance again. Okay, so keep that in mind. Because in layman's language, it means to be at the right place at the right time. Right place at right time. Okay. When I was 22 years old, I finished my post-graduation. Just finished my post-graduations and I was sitting, itchy. Didn't know. 
I wanted to work. I didn't want to take support from my parents anymore. My results were not out. So I went in and typed out those days, no computers, nothing. Went to one of these places, typed out, uh, not a resume, primarily uh, application with a little resume. Those days we didn't write those big, you know, fake resumes. No, we just wrote your what you have studied. And I sent it to Timpu Bhutan. I just wrote, Director of Education, Department of Education, Timpu Bhutan. Just wrote it like that and sent it. My application reached the director's table. In the same time, something was happening on another place. Their premier institution in Bhutan, the one who taught English, got an opportunity to go to South Africa as UN volunteer. This is the middle of the academic year. So he resigned and he left. And they were wondering, oh, where do we get a teacher to replace him in the middle of the academic year? He resigned and left my application. went. That is history. That's why I am here today. Okay. Everything changed from that day. Okay, so... That's an opportunity that came my way. And I, next thing, those are wireless telegrams. Okay? I get a wireless telegram in my home saying, report to Thimphu immediately. And a 22-year-old boy packed his suitcase and bed holder. You know bed holder? You do not know. You go to the army canteen, you will see it there. And made his way on his own, three trains, Two buses on a winter snowy night stood on the road to Thimpo alone. And I began my life. And I look back and I realize those moments in your life define your life. So we saw on Wednesday, Kairos doesn't come often. The first thing we looked on Wednesday, I'm just recapping because it is connected, is one of the things you have to be very careful about this season, like this is Advent season, Christmas season, is it is always today to repent, believe, and get into the kingdom of God. Don't keep that one thing for tomorrow. I still believe there are people here who are not saved. Because you still are not willing to make that one step. I told you on Wednesday, be wise like Noah. His family and the animals. They got in seven days early. Seven days early. And you're catching a flight, a train, a bus, or salvation. Check in early. It's good. Check in early. Don't delay that one decision in your life. We saw also from scripture, Felix delayed. He was Apostle Paul, the man. God's real point man on earth. You couldn't get a greater anointed preacher on earth than him at that point of time. Speaking to you. But he kept postponing, postponing, postponing. And scripture says, two years later, he's posted out. Festus comes in. That time is gone. So when it comes to salvation, please do not delay. When it comes to repentance, please do not delay. Because his mercies are new every morning. Today, when you hear the Holy Spirit, is what scripture says. 
do not harden your heart. Don't. It's such a merciful, 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 loving God. See, when you cannot go deeper than God's grace. That's awesomeness. When you look at all these wicked things happening around, don't get upset because scripture has to come into your mind where sin abounds, grace abounds. See, that's, that is my issue with extrajudicial killings because only we will have that perspective. It's not just the process of law alone. The process is law is taken over. They are sentenced to life or sentenced to, to death. But death doesn't come immediately. Nirbhaya, that gentleman probably will be hanged uh, this coming week or something. But in that process, there is still an opportunity for him to get saved. And nobody should be executed without having an opportunity to hear the gospel, to know you are forgiven. That's my issue. That's my issue. Eternity is too big, too big to be gambled with. And God has forgiven everybody. Only those forgiven ones need to hear. Hell is full of forgiven sinners. Only they didn't receive it. For Christ died for the whole world. But there is a point of receiving. Don't delay it. Second one. We looked on Wednesday was. There are seasons of peace and rest. Scripture says about Jesus after being tested in the wilderness. The devil left him for an opportune time. For a season he left him. There will be seasons in your life where you have rest and peace. We looked at Acts chapter 9 and verse 31 in the context of the church. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace. A season of peace. A season where God puts a hedge around you, your family, your church, your work, your business, whatever. He's put a hedge around you. You are safe inside. You're experiencing peace and rest. And what are you supposed to do? You should be edified. You should strengthen yourself. Don't waste those seasons. They won't come. A little later, he will lift that hedge so you are tested. Because your faith has to be tested to be proven genuine. Edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and they were multiplied. If you make use of that season, you will be multiplied. You will increase. We are not talking generally about numbers, but you will increase within. You know Christ has increased in you. You have made use of those seasons. Don't waste those seasons. There are certain seasons in life God has earmarked for what? To build and to strengthen. Certain seasons in everybody's life. You know why marriages are shaky? Because we don't follow God's season. You know what God's season is? Deuteronomy 24 verse 5. When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year. This was the law of Israel. So that he might stay at home and please his wife. In the first year of your marriage, your marriage is made or unmade. First year. It's important. God says, spend time together. Fellowship. Communicate. Get no other. Two rough stones become smooth stones. The first year matters. 
That's the season. And if the first year is not worked out, the rest of the seasons when you should be gainfully be employed by God in his purpose, you are trying to hang in. Young ones who are not married, get these principles early, you will be wise. Okay? There are principles in the word of God. There are seasons fixed for a lot of things by God. So all those who are unmarried, I have given you a tip. Write it down. Fluorescent colors on your Bible. Okay? And when you get married, ask your best friend to frame that words and hang it in your house. Then the third one we said, there are seasons of revivals when God's spirit stirs you. Jesus came to the pool at Bethsaida, the gospel according to John. And there were a lot of cripples, sick people lying around that pool. So many lying around there. Everybody was waiting for that one moment in time. Once a year, an angel comes and stirs the water. And the first one who gets in, gets healed. There are times when God's Holy Spirit will move in supernatural ways. And you should be prepared for that. All of us should be prepared for that moment. Because you never know when that moment comes. So there was this one man, they, they haven't left. And one man just goes and asks, okay, how long, how long, how long, how long, how long? He must have been asking. And then one man said, I've been here for 38 years, waiting for the move of the Holy Spirit. Move of the angel. 38 years. Watching, watching, waiting, watching, waiting. He said, he must have said in his heart, wow, <laughs> this guy didn't give up. Pick up your mat. Walk. Okay. These are chaos moments in life. Pentecost has come. Church has begun. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John go at their usual hour to the temple to pray. And there's a man sitting outside the gate called Beautiful. Lame. From birth. What does Peter and John say? Look upon us. Look upon us. That was his scariest moment. To hear to servants of God speak with the authority of the Holy Spirit. Look upon us. And scripture says the man looked at them with expectation to receive something. Our ears should be open every day to know that moment when God says, look upon me. And when you hear that, look with expectancy. And they said, rise and walk. Rise and walk. That's all they said. They picked him by hand. He was healed and he started walking. But that's not what is written. He went into the temple. Acts chapter 3 verse 8. So he. What did they tell him? What did they tell him? Stand up and walk. What did he do? He leaped. Stood. Walked. Entered the temple with them. How? Walking. Leaping. Yeah. They only told them walk. I told you. 
the hidden expectations of God. Go. Show yourself to the priest. That's all he said. One came back and fell at his feet with a loud voice, praised and thanked God. And Jesus said, there were ten, where are the nine? So God has expectations. God said, arise and walk. He's not walking. He's sleeping. He's praising. Keros moments in life. Then we said the fourth thing we looked was there are seasons. Season to plant and a season to reap. It's all in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Season to plant, to sow and a season to reap. You have to know your seasons. You cannot sow in winter. You cannot reap in spring. You need to know your seasons of your life. That's why God told through Solomon, you sluggard, go learn from the ant. The ant knows its seasons very well. There are seasons, spiritual seasons in life. And we have to understand that seasons and do what we are supposed to do. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, scripture says, let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap. There's a season God has set for harvest. There's a season. Young children, especially today, because everything is instant, they want to sow today and reap tomorrow. Doesn't happen that way in life. God has induced season. There's a season to sow. There is a season to sow. And there is a season to reap. And often you need to realize when seasons change, when a season of your life changes, you have to be stripped of everything of the previous season to enter into the next season. Okay? When you move from autumn to winter, we don't see much here, but in the mountains and U.S. and all, it's beautiful. You'll see first the trees all turning brown. Then you see the leaves all falling. Then you go through bare trees. Why? It has to be stripped because it's entering into another season. And When winter is over, how do you know spring has come? You see the little green shoots and buds coming off. Now something else is happening. Jesus looked at all of them and said, Hey, you're very good to look at the season and season and look at the weather. You're very good weather forecasters. But how come you don't know how to read the times and the seasons? He says, I've put it all before you. Everything before you have put it before you so that through this you will learn there are bigger things at play here. Times and seasons. I told you on Wednesday. Summer gives way to autumn. Autumn gives way to winter. And winter gives way to spring in Joseph's life. The summer of discontent in his father's house among his ten brothers First thing before he could move to winter, a cold season was his coat had to be stripped off by his own brothers and he had to be sold. The next 13 years is winter in his life. No family, no friend, 
nothing except the invisible God. Nothing, the winter of his life. Like I said, you cannot reap in winter. All you can do is sow. And he stripped there too of his second coat. And he's thrown into prison. Then ultimately spring will come. When spring comes, he will stand before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh will give him another coat. Joseph's story can be written as a story of four coats. So Jesus asked this question. Do you love me more than all this? Are we willing to be stripped off the previous season? Before we can move to the next one? There are so many reasons because ultimately I told yesterday for the men's meeting. Ultimately you have to read life as time and relationships. Time and relationships. Everything is time and relationships. And there are seasons fixed in a man's and a woman's life. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. He says, before you can have a godly, healthy marriage, you need to be stripped of the previous season. Then only you can enter into that. You can't have both. I want both spring and autumn. God says won't work. You have to leave. And one of the reasons marriages in India especially are outwardly stable, inwardly miserable, because there's no leaving. It's a joint family. You're not willing to move from one season to the other season. And parents, when your children grow up and married, let them go. Happily let them go. We looked at the fifth one. There is a season to be alert. Romans 13 verse 11 says, Do this knowing the time. You need to know the time. Now is high time to awake out of sleep. Why? Because our salvation, the salvation, the redemption of this body, body is getting closer and closer. Already 35 minutes closer. Closer and closer. Every second that ticks away, it gets closer and closer and closer. So in First Peter 4, 7, Peter will tell us through the Holy Spirit, be alert. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious, watchful in your prayers. In 5, 8, he will say the demonic, be sober, be vigilant, be alert because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why? We have to be even more alert as we are approaching the end. Why? Because the devil knows time. He's caught in time. Revelation 12 and verse 13. Rejoice of heaven, you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows a short time. God is not caught in time. The devil is. He knows he has very short time. He's got also a task to finish. Take as many as he can with him to hell. And he knows he's got very little time for that left. So God tells the believers, be watchful. Be watchful. Be watchful. Be watchful. And then I said, there are times of intense prayer. 
Not normal prayer. Even for praying people, there will be times of intense prayer. We saw in the Garden of Gethsemane how Jesus prayed. Three times he comes back and they are all sleeping. Therefore he stood where they fell. In Acts chapter 12, we see James is executed. Others are put in prison. When Peter is taken, the church wakes up and scripture says, Peter was therefore kept in prison and constant, intense prayer was offered. What did the church in the book of Acts do? They prayed. They did not forward prayer requests. They prayed. They prayed. They were in instant, constant prayer. There are seasons of intense prayer. So I told you on Wednesday, value time. Everything else you can lose. In many ways, regain. Time. Time. You don't get it back. So either we are prisoners of time, never have time to finish our task, we are prisoners, or we are wasters of time. If you, your, your phone has that app, where it will tell you how many hours you spent on it, it's a good app. My phone always complains you're not spending time with me. It gives me a weekly alert. Is it good for you? No? Either we are prisoners of time, <coughs> wasters of time, or stewards of time. Like I said, time is an incredible equalizer. Outwardly and inward realities are different. If you were there in that story, wherever it happened, Jesus said, the rich man and Lazarus. You would have looked and said, wow, this rich man has invested his time profitably. Look at him, dressed in purple, eating sumptuously, going out in carriages, and that poor fellow sitting outside. What a waste of time. But in a blink of a second of an eye, eternity opened up, and we saw who had invested his time profitably. Who had. So we are all caught in time, past, present, and future. So the question first is, are you dragged down by the past? Bogged down by the past? Romans, I told you long time ago, Romans 5, verse 1 and 2, is the, the believer's life in nutshells. You have peace about your past. Absolutely peace about your past. So you're not bogged down by your past. You stand now in grace. When you look into your future, you have expectancy of what? Real expectancy of glory. Peace for the past, grace for the present, and glory about the future. Okay? That's how you keep your eye on, on eternity. While your feet is on earth, your head should be in heaven. And it is not like skeptics and scoffers say the pie in the sky. No, there's a real place. So the question is, where does God factor in all this? Like I said, there's only one person. Outside of time. That is God. And all that you heard is God telling us. It is God telling us. The one who is outside of time telling us there is a time and a season, you my creation. We heard during the baby dedication, fearfully and wonderfully formed, even before I knew in your mother's form, I knew you. All this person outside time is telling all of us who are caught in time. The demons are caught in time. Angels are caught in time. 
when angel gabriel is told go to mary he will say no tomorrow he will not say tomorrow he has to go today all the angelical interventions are according to god's appointed time even demons know it look at matthew 8 and verse 29 and suddenly they cried out saying what have we to do with you jesus you son of god have you come here to torment us before time so if you ever get tormented don't get tormented before time right before time please keep this in mind because we sometimes miss the importance of how god has fixed season time and purpose in daniel chapter 2 and verse 21 this incredible man of god centuries and centuries ago through the holy spirit says about god he changes the times and seasons believe it it's a god who is standing outside time changing times and seasons and kings and removes kings governments systems everything is in his hand he removes kings and raises up kings appoints kings he changes times and seasons and changes governments and then those who are his children who understand this and seek this he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding understand what is happening in god's realm and how it applies to our daily lives times and seasons like i said 2019 will be soon over and 2020 is coming in isaiah 43 and verse 18 Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of the old. Scott speaking. Don't get bogged down in the last 11 months of this year. Put it off. Put it right and move on. God is saying. Because it is one outside time who is in charge of seasons and times and kings and authorities and powers and rulers. He can change everything. The next verse will say, behold I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. Doesn't matter what your life looked like the past eleven years, eleven months. It may look like a wilderness, no way out, Lord. And God says, I can make a way. Absolutely bare and dry, Lord. My life is. dry words don't even come out because my throat is so dry i have no words to praise you lord god says i can make a river in the desert do you believe reach thing do not dwell on the former things let it go let it go and this is this great man who says through the holy spirit in philippians 3:13 he says brethren i do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing i do i forget the things that are behind I don't let them define my future. I don't let that define my future. Which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. You have to reach forward. Don't be even content with today when it comes to spiritual things. There are so many things in the future. Reach out, reach out, the reach out. You see the future is very clear to God. very fuzzy to us so keep your eyes on him keep your eyes on him 
It's not clear to us. That's what Joshua is telling, Holy Spirit through Joshua is telling the new generation of going into the promised land. Look, you have not gone this way before. Therefore the ark will go before you. But keep a distance. But keep your eyes on the ark. You have not gone this way before. But there is somebody who has gone before in time. He's not caught in time. He has seen the end from the beginning. So keep your eyes on him. Because if you keep your eyes on him, your ears on him, you will know when he is changing and shifting times and season. As it changes, your purpose also will change. Keep your eyes on him. So keep your eyes on him. In the same chapter, Ecclesiastic chapter 3 and verse 11, he has made everything beautiful. Everything beautiful in its time. In its time. Your life may not look beautiful in your eyes, but it will, will become beautiful in its time. God has appointed a time at the age of 30 when he stood before Pharaoh and Pharaoh said, he speaks like one in whom is the spirit of God. Is there one better than him to rule over Egypt? Bring a robe, put the signet ring, put the Necklace around this, he shall be second only to me. Suddenly, he was beautiful. But 13 years ago, God through a dream had said, you are beautiful. And it became beautiful in its time. Don't write out anybody. Don't write out yourself. In his time, if you allow children to have their way, they will trample upon every Every caterpillar. And we will never have butterflies. Remember, the caterpillar becomes a butterfly in his time. Therefore, Ecclesiastic 3.1 says, God gives discernment of times and season. To everything there is a season. And a time for every purpose under heaven. That's why your ears have to be open. It's not enough to have a head full of knowledge. Our spiritual senses need to be awake. The season of Advent. This is the season of Advent. Christ coming to earth. Look at the first season. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In the days of Herod the king. Behold wise men came from east. To Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Everybody missed the advent except a set of wise men. How did they know? Because they were looking. They were looking up. That's a direction to look up to understand seasons spiritually. Look up. It's not enough to look up once. If you look up once, every star looks the same. I told you on Wednesday. They had washed the skies regularly. So when something unusual happened, they were able to notice it. And they knew this is unusual. This signifies something big. Then they searched and they found in all their ancient history, Gentile history, whatever history they had available, they knew a star was prophesied only with one person. Who said that? Balaam, he spoke about a star and they had probably a record of it. And they said, yes, where is he to be born? The king of Jews. 
So knowledge is not enough. If you read from the next verses, 3 onwards. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him. Why were they troubled? Because they did not understand the time or the season. And all, he gathered the chief priests, scribes, people together. He inquired of them, where was, where the Christ was to be born? So they said to him, Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem. Did they know? Yes. Did it make any difference to them? No. Because they didn't have hearing ears or seeing eyes. All, no, they knew the place, they knew everything. They knew it all. And they missed the season. Missed the season. Don't miss the season. That's why I said, no? There is a season, there is a time, and there is a purpose. That is Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time, there is a season, and there is a purpose. And all the learned ones in Jerusalem missed it. So there was the Christ baby born. Nobody was there to worship him. Let us keep our eyes on him. And pray like Daniel, give me wisdom, knowledge, and an understanding to read the times, the seasons. Let me not miss what you are doing. Look at an example in First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times. Jacob had 12 sons. This is one of the sons. And we wouldn't give much weight to Issachar. But Issachar had a gift. What was their gift? They had an understanding of times. That one thing set them apart. You should pray, Lord, give me the spirit of Issachar. Give me the gift that was upon Issachar. That I learned to understand the times. If you understand times, it doesn't matter whether you know homiletics, hermeneutics, eschatology, all that is irrelevant. If you know the time and what God is doing, you can be of the tribe of Issachar. Because seasons in life often don't repeat. Let's do a little study on these people. Okay? When Israel is in the desert and they have to be camped, this is what God says in the book of Numbers. On the east side towards the rising of the sun, that's where the world is. When you go out, you go into the world. The sun rises in the east. That is the gate is there. When you enter in, you turn your back to the gods of this world, enter into God's camp. When you get out, your face is towards the east. And who goes first? Who is the one to be camped according to you? First is Judah. And then, did I have the next verse given? Yeah, verse 5. Yeah, can I have verse 5? Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Issachar. First goes Judah. Second goes Issachar. And then verse 7. Third is Zebulun. We don't understand God's order, right? Strange order. This is how you shall camp. And when they move, Numbers 10. 
The standard of the camp of the children of Judah shall set out first according to the armies. Over the army was Nashon, son of Abinab. Over the army of the tribe of children of Issachar was Nathaniel. And verse 16, over the army of the children of Zebulun was Eliab, the son of Helon. God has method in his madness. First went Judah. Next went Issachar. And third went Zebulun. Not the way we would put to send Reuben out. And he could get knocked out and come back. So let's go even further back into history. Rewind. Genesis 49 verse 8. The fourth son of Jacob. Judah, you are he whom the brothers shall praise. Reuben? Simeon? Levi? Judah. Who's the fourth one? Judah. Did you see how God plays games? So that we understand hidden things in the Bible. On the fourth day of creation, sun was put over there. There is a separation. On the fourth son of Jacob is Judah that is coming. And the four thousand years of human history is completed. Jesus comes. Jesus comes. And he's the reason for all our praise. Judah means praise. What shall go first? Praise shall go first. And thanksgiving and praise shall go first. You have to be able to see. In Joshua, you don't have to turn there. Joshua chapter 6, Jericho is shut up. Nobody can go in. Nobody can come out. And when Joshua is standing there, looking, the angel of the Lord, Jesus stands with Joshua and he tells him something. He says, see. What does he tell him? See. See. I've given this city over to you. See. How do you see? See. I gave this city over to you. Nothing has changed outwardly. Everything looks the same. See. And this is what you shall do. For the next seven days, the children of Israel, first six days, children of Israel shall go around. One seventh day, seven times. No sound. Keep your mouth, but one sound. Three shall blow the trumpet. This is not the trumpet that calls the assembly or the war. These are the trumpets of praise. What shall go first? You praise by faith. Because you know who your God is outside of time. He has set times and seasons. Therefore, you praise him. That is why Jesus looks at the crowd, takes the bread and gives thanks. He stands before Lazarus' grave and he thanks God because you thank God actually by faith because you know who he is and you have read the season and the timing correctly. That's why Judah comes, goes first because he is praise. And 49.30 Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his border shall adjoin Sidon. What is connected with Zebulun? Okay. My stick was, I brought my stick. What is connected? What is ship connected with? No. That's a very simple. It's connected with trade and money and commerce. Zebulun is the financier. The guy who will make money. What is the blessing over Zebulun? 
He will he become a haven for ships. The harbor, the port, it's all given to civil and ships will come and go out with produce and bring in stuff. You are the guy who will make money. That is Zebulun, prophetically looking over centuries. And verse 14 and 15, Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. Why is he able to bear the burden? Because he has understanding what others don't do. If you see the burden is on you, the burden is not on the one who is not able to see. Little truth and a joke. There was this blind guy. You know in the US you have blind people with their, it's called their seeing dogs. Okay? So the burden is on the dog or the man? The dog. The burden is on the dog. Whoever sees the burden is on them. So this blind man was sitting over there. He took the dog by the tail and swung it around. And they said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking around. That was the joke, the other was the truth. Okay? So you always have to realize he is a strong don lying between two burdens. Why is the burden given to him? That he will lift the burden up. Because he is able to see. The burden is always upon those who see. Though Saul of Tarsus, Apostle Paul, did not walk with Jesus like the other apostles, he saw better than all of them. So the burden to write the scripture was his and not to the others. If you see, your burden of prayer will be different. If you see, your burden to preach will be different. So the burden is upon those who see. So Issachar is a strong donkey. And when Israel marches, how do they go? First goes praise. Second goes understanding. Third goes money. If you have understanding, you will know where to put your money. Otherwise, you're wasting your money in eternity. You know why people waste their resources when it comes to eternity and the kingdom of God? Because they don't have a soccer who directs them how to do it. They may be wise on earth, but when they reach heaven, they will find they are foolish. They send nothing ahead. Are you getting it? Issachar was special. Why? Because they had understanding of the times and seasons. And you should say, Lord, I want that, Lord. Even if you don't use me for ministry, Lord, it is okay. At least in my own life, in making my decisions in my life, Give me that insight. Give me that understanding. In the book of Judges, there is a very, very difficult period in Judges history where um, you have Jabin the king and Sisera the general, 600 iron chariots and they are ruling over Israel for 20 years. That's when? You have a song of Deborah saying 40,000 soldiers in Israel. Not a spear, not a sword. I, Deborah, the mother, evoke. When she awoke, so many people came from everywhere. There's something different in Judges 5 verse 15. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As Issachar, so was Barak sent into the valley. Israel never had a woman leader before that. But Issachar knew 
This is a very special intervention of God. Deborah and Barak has been raised for God's hand to deliver Israel and they came with their entire lot. You will see what is written over here. The princes of Issachar were there. 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 The leaders of Issachar had insight and understanding so they wholeheartedly joined and we know what will follow. Victory will follow. So when David was king in Hebron, from different, different, different tribes, people started coming. Started coming. But there was confusion. Should we go or should we stick with Saul's family? Look at First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. And of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200 and all the brethren were at there. Now you know why in Deborah's account the chieftains are only mentioned? Because their followers followed them because they knew their leader saw. Now you go back and do the homework of the list that is given of each tribe. From Reuben, this many thousand, from Simeon, from Levi, every tribe. A number is given. Except the tribe of Issachar. You know why? Everybody came. Everybody came. Because they had understanding. They knew their leaders had understanding. Two hundred. Only the tribe of Issachar, no number is given. The number of the leaders is given. And everybody who was with them came. Because why? One tribe had understanding. Season has changed. The house of Saul is gone. The house of David is risen. This is what God's ordained man. They all came. Once you know the season and the time and the move of God, you won't be confused or half-hearted. You will give yourself with your whole heart and might to serve God. That's the principle. Like I said, time is ticking away. Take again, turn to the right and take a look at the clock. 11.5. Time is ticking away. Now go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 17. See then that you walk. Redeeming the time. And verse 17. Understand what is the walk, time, will. These are the three crucial words in these three verses. I need to walk in the allotted time to fulfill God's will in my life. So don't waste time. Don't waste time. Don't waste time. The will of God. Matthew 7 and verse 21. This is what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of God. In heaven. 1 John 2, 20. 25 years in ministry. Have preached from morning till till 8 in the night. Never have taken a toilet break. Because God has trained me. Whether you are listening or preaching, the time you take the break is maybe when my prophetic word comes. Don't miss. Prepare and come and sit down there. Don't drink water in the morning. Go home and drink in the evening. My word is more precious than the water you drink. Otherwise, I tell the pastors too, when you are sitting over here, it's a prophetic word which you paid 500 rupees and travel all night to come and hear. When the word came, where were you? In that little room over there where there is no prophetic word. 
That's why you have to discipline yourself in these little, little things because time. I was talking to the young man yesterday about efficiency. How do you become efficient? Why are the, in our generation, every gadget is basically to make us more efficient because all this saves time. What is the purpose of all these gadgets? Why is that we are having the words over there? Because if I were to read and open the book, we will lose time. The purpose behind it is all connected with one factor which you and I will never get back in life, which has got to do with time. So value time. Value time. More than anything else in your life, value time. Once it is gone, it is gone. And that's what Jesus is talking about. The world is passing away. The lust of it. But he who does the will of God. The problem is all of us have only a certain period of time to do your will. And that also we don't know when we will go. Nobody has any idea. The general will of God is first. Check in early. Get in to the kingdom. Before you do anything, get in. In 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slack, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. That's why he's so patient. 6,000 years of evil has taken over, but he's still patient because he doesn't want anybody to perish. Because the day the ark's door is shut, no one can open. But if you go at verse 10, you don't have to go. It is written, but begins with, but the day of the Lord will come with fire, burn up everything in an instant, it's over. The whole heavens will be rolled up like a scroll. It's over. So general will of God is that don't waste your time, get in. Because without getting in, how will you know what you're supposed to do? Get in. And then once you get in, don't miss those specific times and opportunities. Don't miss or misuse your opportunities. Aware constantly of the change of seasons. Because great men missed it. Were slack. Were lazy. Took ease. Look at First Chronicles 20. We have read it in Samuel 20. It happened in the spring of the year at the time kings go out to battle that job. Let out the armed forces. Ravaged the country of the people of Ammon. And came and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at... That was the time. In the spring of the year, at that time, who goes to war? The time when kings go to war, the king did not go. He missed his time. He misused his time and his season. Job went. He defeated. Job defeated Rabbah, overthrew it. Then David took their king's crown from his head and found it to weigh a talent of gold. And there were precious stones. It it was set on David's head. Let me tell you. This is a compressed account. This is not the real account. The real account is given in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. Job fought. It happened in the spring of the year at the time. Again, same narrative. When kings go out to war, David sent Job, his servants with him, all Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. What is happening? Is meets Bathsheba, sees Bathsheba, leads to adultery, murder, deceit. Months and months are passing by. Where is the army? The army is stuck at Rabbah. 
You know what moved him? What moved him was the general sent a message. Now read the message. Now let's put the whole narrative. Because there everything is put in two verses. Now let us see the entire account of what happened over 9 or 10 or 11 months. Now Job fought against Rabbah and the people of Ammon and took the royal city. Job sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and I have taken the city's water supply. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together and encamp, encamp against the city. Take it. Lest I take the city and it be called after my name. Come on, king. Get up and come. This is your time, your season. This is your glory, not mine. You don't come now. I will take the city and it will be always written in the annals of the history of the king of Israel that I took it, not you. Come, move now. You're not reading the season or the time because you missed one. You're gone down so much. He missed his entire season. And this made him move. So David gathered all the people together, went to Rabbah, fought against it and took it. Then he took the king's crown. Who fought the actual battle? Job. So read narratives carefully how you can goof off and miss. What is God telling to us spiritually? What does he say? Don't let anybody steal your crown. Don't let anybody steal your reward that is in heaven. Because you missed your season. You missed your timing. And therefore missed God's purpose. Everybody has a very specific purpose God has told to do. But there are seasons and times also fixed. David missed it. And another man fought the battle. Now fast forward. You have to also be aware of transition and change in seasons. Fast forward now from here to far ahead in David's life. Now this is Second Samuel 21. When the Philistines were at war again with David, with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines. And David grew faint. Now he's an old man. He grew faint. Then Ishbi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. Next. But Abishai, the son of Jeruiah, came to his head, struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. They said, Sir, my Lord, you will not lead us in battle anymore. His season has changed to lead them in war. Now his season is to be an inspiration to Israel. We also need to know the change in seasons in our own lives when God says, enough, you don't lead now. You are a source of inspiration. Let the younger lead. You don't hold on to your seat all your life. You said, your season has changed. You will not go into battle and die. You need to be the light, the inspiration of Israel. So don't miss your season. Don't mistake your season. Because if you mistake your season, you can create havoc. If you don't read it carefully and obey it completely, you can create havoc in your personal life, your home. Look at another case when that man missed it. That's, that's a problem by God says, don't go into the world, don't go into the world, you will get so compromised, you will not be able to see or hear because the world has crowded in you're not able to see and hear. Even when it is being spoken right to your face and you're hearing with your two ears, you're not able to see the time, the season or the purpose. Look at Genesis 19. Lot and his family has been pulled out 
of the place of judgment. And as they are being taken out and they are out, they are given one word from the angel. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside, he said, escape. Don't look back. Stay nowhere in the plains. Escape to the mountains. You see what he's saying? He says, escape for your life. Don't look back. Don't stay in the plains. Escape to the mountains. Very clear. You know what he says? Lord said to them, please know my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight and you have increased your mercy which you have shown me by saving my lives. But I cannot escape to the mountains. I can go to the mountains. Lest I die. Now he's contradicting the word of God. God says, if you stay here, you will die. Instead, go to the mountain. He said, no, if I go to the mountains, I will die. So what should you do? Yeah. Now, this city near enough to flee, it is a little one. Please, let me escape there. Is it not a little one? My shawl shawl. A small little town is there. Please, 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 don't ask me to do this uh, fasting and prayer and all this. It's too much. Please, please, let me do my daily devotions and leave me alone. Please, leave me alone. The small little city, I'm very comfortable there and my soul shall live with that daily two portions, one from Psalms and one from Gospels, two spoon. Now I told you in a vanity mirror we have in this thing, we only see one side of us and we are very happy with that side because it's Psalm 23 and Psalm 91, we are very happy. We don't want to read Leviticus and all because then we will start levitating. <laughs> my soul shall live. My soul shall live. Read. Lord, now what happened? Judgment all is over. He's in the city. And little later, Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the... Oh, your time is over. Season is over. If he had gone at that time to go to the mountains, you would have met God there. But when you finally made up your mind and went to the mountain, the season has gone. God is not there. Demonic spirits are waiting for you in the high place now. The sacred place has become a high place. Your season is over. Your time is over. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. And they brought forth a Moab and Ammon. And David has to fight the Ammonites. Who created? Lot. Because he was out of season. Missed his purpose. God says don't miss your purpose. Don't miss your timing. Be very careful that we see and we hear and people who compromise with the world, even if it's right before their eyes, they miss it. And they are not able, they don't have the strength to do what God is telling them to do because their strength is gone. You remember Israel? Ten times and finally God said, enough! Everybody above the age of 20 will die. You will wander in this desert and you will die. The next generation I will take. Everybody. As soon as they heard, they said, no, we will go. We will go. Moses said, please don't go. The time is over to go. Now don't go. Please don't go. They said, no, we will go. Listen to what happened when they went. They presumed to go up to their mountain top. Nevertheless, neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Two Entities did not move. One was the leader did not move. The presence of God also did not move. They went. Because they presumed. But the season is over. The time is over. 
And what happened? Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them as back as far as Hormah. Why? The season had passed. You getting it? Either like David, often we make the same mistake. We do the wrong thing at the right time. Or we do the right thing at the wrong time. But God has said to have us understanding that we do the right thing at the right time. So what is the key? I can't leave you just hanging there. Like what is the key? The book of Ecclesiastic, let us go. We, we don't have time to get into all the, there's so much here. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Sense it. Don't go to a widow's morning house and say, Hallelujah, Sudhiga, Okay, time to weep and time to mourn. A time to mourn, time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. We are looking, we're just talking, God is talking of the concept about time. A time to gain and a time to, do you ever see that? What did you do? Gain an argument and lose a friend? Lose an argument and gain a friend? A lot of people win arguments and they lose relationships. It's a time to gain. It's a time to lose. Do you know all successful companies begin with loss? They don't begin with gain. They begin with loss. Let us imagine a company. Give me the name of a company which is not here in India. It sells products. I don't know. I think everything is here. Let's imagine a company called whatever name. Okay, Jyoti. Okay, the company called Jyoti. Yesterday, I did that away. Is planning to market its products in India. What will they do first? Spend a million dollars on advertising. Is there any gain? No. Comparative product is there in the market. Price is 50. They introduce the new product at 40. First of all here, balance sheet doesn't tally. It's loss. By second year, they do a market study and see if the brand has been engraved in the minds of the people. They raise the... That's why... Reliance Geo has raised the rates. First they captured the market, now raised the rates. First they killed idea. What an idea, Sergi is no longer an idea. That's how companies work. First you have to be willing to lose to be able to gain. Willing to lose. You look over there and says, oh they are gaining. I've told this story to the young ones before. There was a young boy who lived in this castle with his father and his servants and the country was outside. And the father told him, he hated studies. And the father told him, don't go out of the castle and play with these country boys. You know who you are. The boy was not interested. So as soon as the father is away, he runs and the law is that you cannot touch the prince. So the guards will try to stop him, he will walk through because he knows you cannot be touched. And they will go play the whole day and come back. And the father is frustrated. Finally, the father one day took him to the top of the castle, the tower, and showed him the land. He said, do you see this? He said, yes, this is yours. You can choose. Do you want to grow up and be a king and be a waster? From that day, the boy didn't go out. And he became Alexander the Great. 
Because that is what Paul is talking. What I considered as gain is loss for Christ. If you believe your uh, prayer time is loss, studying the Bible is loss. You have to have this concept very clearly. The amount of time I spend in the presence of God may feel like loss to the people in the world. What a waster. But it will be my gain. Because ultimately I will possess the prince of heaven. There is time to lose. There is a time to gain. Please understand concepts very, 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 very carefully. And word seven, a time to tear and a time to sow. And time to keep. This is your time of silence and time for me to speak. Why is this so important? There's a time to be silent. You know why our children are all so loud? Because it's another generation who have grown up with human psychology. Children should be allowed to speak their mind. We grew up in a different world which we were told you will be seen and not heard. So we heard from our parents. And we still remember. Class 4, 9 year old boy can remember what his father told him as he was stepping out of the house. Son, remember one thing. Man makes money. Money does not make man. We haven't taught our children to listen. This is a period of silence. Here, 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 here. That's where it all begins. Instead, today we think our children are philosophers. Let me ask you this hypothetical question. It's a trap question, okay? How many of you believe in scripture? Show your hands. How many of you as parents believe that if you keep the rod away, you spoil your children? How many of you believe? I believe. All of you believe? Let your school teacher send a complaint. Um, the child come back from school by saying that your teacher whacked him. You will roll up your sleeves and go back to the school the next day to fight with the teacher because you do not believe in scripture. You believe in secular psychology. That's the truth. You don't believe. You know, in, when I grew up as a child, we were not beaten with rods. My father did with rods. The local teachers, they had a wooden with three or four leather strips which was nailed onto it. And you didn't get here. You got it here. So it left nice marks. So I don't, I can't even remember what I did. I was in class two and I got nicely. All like this. And you got. When I came back home, my mother threw a fit. (sighs) My father, see, see your son, which teacher did to this? My father just looked at me and said, if I find out what you did, you will get from me too. (laughs) We don't even realize how much we have sat in the churches and the world has got into our minds and our thinking and why we struggle to hear. We are governed by human psychology of Freud and Carl Jung and all who had demonic guiding spirits through which they wrote their thesis. And we are listening to them. Listening not to the men 
who wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here, here we go into the world, like Jesus said, we are not of the world. So there is a period of silence. There's a period of silence. There had to be constant periods of silence in everybody's life. And our children especially have to go through periods of silence. Not that they are not allowed to speak, but they are taught to hear and obey. Taught to listen and obey. Taught to listen and obey. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. God was silent. It was a period of incredible silence in Israel. Priest is there, temple is there, but no voice of the Lord. Silence. Absent. There was no widespread revelation. Silence. So if it is a time of silence, and you are a little boy who has been framed by a praying mother to hear, what do you do? 3.3 says, Before the Lamb of the God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down. What he did? He went and chose to lie down close to the ark of the Lord. As close as he was allowed to go, he chose to sleep there. In times of silence, choose places. You know God's presence is there. Choose those places so that you can hear. So God is there everywhere. God also is not there everywhere. The same way. And this little boy chose a place. Once I was doing this two-day pastor's conference in Kathmandu. 110, 20 pastors, elders, deacons, all that heard me previous years. This time they said, we want to get out of the city because we want to hear. So they booked a resort 20, 30 kilometers outside Kanmandu. Beautiful places. You could see the mountains. And you know what? Everybody left their children at home. Early morning it was cold. I saw a bike, a father with a little child. I said, where are you going in the morning? I said, to drop this child. Said why? Because we want to hear. Honestly, in that meeting, you could hear a pin drop. Morning till evening, I was preaching in Nepali. They were sitting there and listening. And they said, We will not allow anything to disturb us. We have set this two days apart just to hear the word of God. And we don't want to leave all the children at home with others who will take care of them. There is a time to be silent. Silence. We have to learn to enter into silence so that we are able to hear. This is what God was trying to teach Elijah. See first kings. He said, God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and a strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rock into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Though the Lord passed by, the Lord was not in the wind. Understand the difference. I said God is everywhere. 
but is not everywhere the same way. And after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was in the fire. And after the fire, still, small voice. What happened? It was Elijah heard it. He heard that voice. He wrapped his mantle and came and stood out. Have you learned the silence to be able to hear the voice of God? This is a time to be silent. Can we hear? Because the problem is, unless we hear, how can we know? It's interesting, no? I'll speak to you. Go and stand. And he's training. First, he doesn't have to strain. Second, he doesn't have to strain. Third, he doesn't have to strain. But his hearing is good. Whisper. What did the whisper say? What are you doing here? What a question. What are you doing here? Go back the way you came. Elijah, do you know why you are standing here? You are standing here because you didn't hear. If you had heard me when you ran and I anointed you to run faster than Ahab's chariot, but you stopped at the gate of Jezreel, if you had heard me, you would have gone in and killed Jezebel. That is what I anointed you for. Instead, you stopped and wait Ahab to overtake you. Go in. And then the threat came because your expectation was wrong. You are probably expecting Ahab and Jezebel will call you and make you the prophet of Israel. No, I didn't call you for that. I called you to destroy them. What are you doing here? You know what you're doing here? You didn't hear. But he's kind. He's nice. A merciful, awesome God. So sometimes you will hear from God whispering, saying, what are you doing here? You are here, but you are not supposed to be here. You are in my presence. That's awesome. But you are not supposed to be in my presence in this state, unknown, unknowing, what am I supposed to do? Time has passed by. You should have finished your work by now. It's good to be in the presence of God. It's not a bad thing. It's an awesome thing to be in the presence of God. Do you get the point? There's a little voice sleeping before the ark. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. What will we say? Oh, but they sona bhi nahi dete. That's exactly what our children will say. They'll pull the blanket over and say, I didn't hear. He's forever calling me. Can God wake you up from your sleep? Look at what happened. Lord calls Samuel and he answered. Here. Look at the next verse. And he? He? Awesome, right? The Lord Jehovah with the two angels, I believe the angel of the Lord with two other angels, came to Abraham's tent at Sishim, and Abraham ran. The same fervency, a little boy at midnight runs to save a blind priest, because he called him by name. It's not that he yawned, and he ran. He ran. 
He ran. Second time. He went. Third time. Look at verse 7 and 8. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Boy does not know the Lord. The boy has learned to obey his mother. Mother has handed him over to Eli. Therefore he obeys Eli. What have we taught our children? Me included. To obey or defy. The Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived the Lord was calling him. I like verse 10. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Teacher has to hear from that teacher. There's only one teacher. That's what Paul tells the church in Thessalonica. He says that when we came and preached to you, though we were men, you received the word of God that came from us as the word of God. Therefore, it has the power to work in those who believe. Who gave you the So where did he say this? I don't know. When did he say this? It's not there in the Gospels. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The Lord said, said Paul. Where did he say We don't know. And John will say there are so many things the Lord said. Books were not contained. So one of the things he said is this. When he came into this world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. The volume of the book. It is the written about me. But I have come to do your will, O God. That's how he walked on earth. When he walked on earth, he knew the times and his seasons. Reading at Kana, when his mother came, said, it's not my wife. When his brothers told him, if you want to be really a famous pastor, you should hire a truck. Put the picture of your wife and you standing legs, let it go around the city. And translation of ancient words. You should go to Jerusalem and show yourself. Imagine, I would die of shame if somebody did that with me and my wife, my picture on this thing. <laughs> I would say, Are you what? What is happening? I would. In all these years that we have done in any one of our churches, not a single picture has been ever been printed. Because we would die of shame to project ourselves, right? But he saw, he's, what did he tell his brothers? Your time is always. My time is not now. He knew his time because he had come to do his father's will. Behold in the volume of the book written about it. Now let us go to the original text he's quoting from Psalm 40. Listen carefully. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire me. You desire? Oh, that is not there in Hebrews. What is the next written here? My words you have opened. Did you see? But the writer of Hebrews says, and what the psalmist says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll. How did you know sacrifice and this thing you have it? Because you opened my ears. I understood. 
God says, I don't want sacrifice, I want obedience. I don't want sacrifice, I want obedience. Obedience and sacrifice is good, but sacrifice with obedience is abomination. I want obedience. You opened my ears. See, none of us need to be better speakers. We need to be better listeners. The Bible cannot tell you if you are called. Only the Holy Spirit can. When he comes upon the word. The Bible cannot tell you whether you are called of God or not. But the Holy Spirit can. The Bible cannot tell you your career. Only the Spirit of God can. The Bible can teach you how to handle your career. How to do your work. But the Bible cannot tell you what you should work. Only the Holy Spirit can. The Bible cannot tell you who to marry. It will tell you what kind of a person you should marry. Only the Holy Spirit can. That's why we need ears. All those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Let's go to the most familiar words connected with that for GTC. Isaiah 50. God's own son. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season to whom who is weary. When did he speak? First record, age of 12. After that, after 30. But how did he get that word, that tongue? He awakens me morning by morning. First he? First he? Wakes you. Samuel! Did you call me? First he awakens you. Then he awakens. Wake up. Alarm. You are not going to open your ears. First he awakens me. You lift it up. Put your feet on the ground. Then when you sit with your coffee or tea and your Bible, he opens my ears. Not Facebook. First he awakens me. Then he awakens me, my ear, to hear as the learned. Pastor Vijay will teach you very well. There are three hearings there, three openings there. He opens, wakens you up first. Second, he opens your ear. Then he opens your ear like a learned as time passes. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. And the next verse, I gave my back to those who struck me. Did you see that? He opens my ears to hear my destiny. He gives me the tongue to direct my testament, destiny. Then I give my body over to his purpose and will fulfill his eternal destiny. And it doesn't matter how terrible that, that purpose is, I will give my body over for that. Why? Because I have heard. I have heard. For this purpose I came, O oh Lord, to do your will. I don't know what kind of a believer President Trump is, whether he's ever read his Bible. But yesterday, day for yesterday, he said, you cannot look at the manger without looking at the cross. Somebody wrote it for him. It's true. Simon speaks. And like Simon, we also speak. But the question is, do we hear? You hear in silence. Jesus heard. 
right from childhood. You opened my ears. Mark 1.35. Now it's 30 plus man. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and began to pray. You see? What's the first thing he's doing? Into a soul. All others are sleeping. Solitary place began to pray because he needs to hear. I need to hear. Little later, rest are all awake. Disciples are awake. Whole town has come. They have come. Say, everybody is waiting. Read. Next verses I gave you. They found him. They said to him, everyone is looking for you. He said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach because for this purpose I have. What? Are we leaving this crowd and going there? Yes. Why? Because I have heard. I have heard. In the volume of this book, it is written about me. I have come to do your will. Help me to be silent, Lord. Pierce my ear. Help me to hear. Paul was very zealous. Very, very zealous. If you had allowed him, you would have come to India and also and preached. You would have crossed Himalaya like Sadhu Sundar Singh, gone to China, Tibet and all preached. Because he was a man who up on fire for God. But God did not want him to reach just his generation. He wanted him to reach generation after generation after generation. So God just shut him in prison so that he would write. Otherwise he would have just reached his generation. 2000 years later he is still touching generations. Because he learned in the silence of the prisons to hear from God and write. And in the book of Galatians, he will actually write what I give it to you, I heard. In Corinthians 15, he says, I am passing on to you what I heard. That's why it's scripture. Because he learned in silence. John Bunyan hadn't been in prison. You wouldn't have pilgrim's progress. Because in silence, he learned to write. So forget your past failures. Start all over again. Start all over again. It begins like Peter did. He went out and wept bitterly. And Jesus spoke to him. Jesus spoke to him. Acts 13 and verse, If any man should not have finished well, it is this man. And after Jesus... And David had served his own generation by the will of God. How can this man finish the will of God? Not possible. List of friends under the Indian penal code. Oh, he should be shot without due process. What a God. What a source of encouragement for everyone was saying. God's purpose in his generation. He finished well. Do you know why he finished well? Go to Psalm 109. Do not keep silent, O God, of my grace. Lord, please. Please, Lord, please. One thing, don't be silent. You are the God of my grace. You have to see the nuances in all those words. You are not my God. You are the God of my grace. Don't be silent. 
For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are open against me. They have spoken against me the light. I was surrounded by all these people accusing me of everything. They have also surrounded me with the words of hatred and fought against me without a cause to return my for love. There are many accusers, but then other translation says, but I like a man of prayer. But I a man of prayer. You know I could finish? Well, because he was a man of prayer. What did he say? We only know David as a man of grace. But he says, I'm a man of Oh God of my grace, I am a man of Isn't it awesome? I give myself to prayer. That's what we saw in First Samuel 3 3. A little boy makes a little choice, which is a big choice. He went before the Lamb of the Lord went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down. Where did he choose to lie down? In the house of God. Where did he find rest? That's why I asked that question about young. Why is the restless in the house of God? Should a place where you should be at rest? I'm not saying you come and sleep. I'm saying it should be a place of rest. That's where he found his rest. In the house of God. Samuel. Look at David. Second Samuel chapter 12. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servant, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. David arose from the ground, washed, anointed, changed, went into the house of the Lord. And worship. Where did he find rest? In death. The house of God. O God of my praise, I'm a man of prayer. Learn from the greats. Are we troubled by all that is happening around us? Evil and evil men seems to prosper. What's the point of being good? What's the point of all these Bible studies, prayer, fasting, women's fasting, men's fasting? Thank God we won't have a transgender fasting. <laughs> Psalm 73 verses 12 to 17. What's the point? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. Look at them. They're always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. I wash my hands and I am pursuing, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When I look back, nothing is being added. When my bike seems to be running on gas, no petrol. Nothing is being added. That's what he's saying. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. I wanted to change my message. But when I sit with the word, this is coming on me nicely. Just because you see all this, don't change the message. So I come back and still tell them what they don't like to hear. This is a servant of God called Asaf. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went to the house of the Lord. And I understood their end. Then I understood their end. That's why there are places of silence. There are places of silence. 
And unless we go into the places of silence, which becomes his tabernacle, his house. I'm not talking generally about church alone. The deserted place Jesus sought. The prison cell that found Paul. Wherever that place is. You hear from God. And you see the end of all this. And you have rest when you go from here. You know, I've seen the end. From the one who has seen the end. I've seen the end. I, my ears have heard. And I'm at rest to God. I am not troubled. That's why he finished well. Because he heard. Because prayer is communication, not a monologue. He heard when he prayed. Do I have time? First Chronicles 17, for he's finishing his life. Okay, let me speed up a little. Go and tell my servant, thus says the Lord, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. Hapa, boom, gone. This was what he wanted to do all his life. The word of the Lord comes. Previous, this, this is one thing, you see, you have lots of pies, apple pie, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, and then what pastors eat is called humble pie. Okay. <laughs> the prophet had previously told it all, go do king whatever you like. Next day he comes and says, you can't do what you want. I say also ate humble pie. Go back and tell him you'll live 15 years. Okay. So here is it. You shall not build me a house to dwell in. No. Verse 16. King David went. Me kon hu prabhu? Aap kahan se kahan se mujhe uthaya? Me kon hu? You can say no. It's not a problem. But I did not come here to complain. You said no. I did not come here to complain. I am astounded by what you said through the servant. What did you say through the servant? Verse 10. Since the time I commanded judges to be over my people, so I will subdue all your enemies. Father, I will tell you, the Lord will build you a house. Lord, I am shocked. Here, I wanted to build you a house. And you sent a servant back to me saying, no, you will not build a house for me. Instead, I will build a house for you. Who am I, God, that you build a house for me? In my father's house. There are many rooms. You think we are building? We are building nothing. He is the one who is building for us. We are building nothing. He is the one who is building for us. Understand the reality of God. You will not build a house for me. I will build a house for you. But you want a temporary dwelling for me. Go build. But don't build. Your son will build. The sun will build. Look at this man. He purchased the land to build the house. You know that. He built. Purchased. Quickly. Second Chronicles 28, 19. All this said David. The Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of this land. God said, you shall not build. And people give up and say, okay, bye. Retirement fund is coming. Bye-bye. There is my hammer. I don't have to do anything. He said, no, I am not building. My son is building. Can you please give me the plans? Can you give me the plans? You only said, I will not build. Fine. I will not build. I will do all the rest. 
Will you give me the plans? He said, the Lord made me understand, remember, understanding, in writing, by his hand upon me, all the works of his plan. Oh boy, you need to read the works of the plan, not just the temple. You know what? Even the weight of every implement to be used inside the temple. The weight in gold he knew. Because God showed him, this is how much this should weigh, this is how much this should weigh, this is how much should it weigh. Everything he heard in his old age. Then, for the house of the Lord, my God, I have prepared with all my might. What? Gold for things, gold for gold, silver for silver, everything I have prepared. Open the treasuries of the nation. Put aside everything to be used in the temple. He's not satisfied. Next verse. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Not enough. What I said, that also I am giving for the house of the Lord. And then, and they made sacrifices to the Lord offered. The divisions of the priests, the Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of the Lord. Every willing man skilled in any craft will help you in all the work. The officials, all the people will obey you every command. Take a look at this man. He says, now he's telling his son, Solomon, once I am gone, build the house of God. Everything you want is ready. The plans are ready. The... In, in gold is ready, silver is ready, everything is ready. The Levites are ready to worship as soon as you finish building. I have prepared them also. The craftsmen are all ready to do their in, in The soldiers, everybody will obey you. I have got it all ready. Got it all ready. Therefore, the disciples said, 46 years it took Herod to build this temple. 7 years Solomon complete, completed the temple. Bigger than that. Why? Because David had prepared Everything except the actual building. First Kings chapter 1 verse 1. Quickly. Now he's very old. Now in years. Advanced in years. One son is trying to usurp the throne. He hears. He said, come, 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 come here. Kim. Zadak. Abiyatar. Benaya. Come. Take my son Solomon. Old man lying in bed. Take my son Solomon. Take the king's mule. Take him and anoint him as king. First Chronicles chapter 22. 6 to 10. Quickly. Got it? Okay, the next service will come. I just have to finish it. I didn't, yeah. He called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Now read verse 9. You will have, not you have, you will have a son. Who will be a man of peace and rest. I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. Before Solomon was born, he as a young man had heard a son will be given. His name shall be Solomon. He is to be the next king. He's old, advanced in years. Somebody is trying to usurp the throne. He said, no, Solomon is the next king. I have heard. This is the will of God for this generation. I have heard. I have heard. 
Even in his old age, he did not forget the things he had heard. That's a question you ask. The question we have to honestly ponder, and I ponder about myself, that by the time my season is over on earth, I would have prepared everything spiritually possible to make it easier for the next generation to run with God. And not it make it difficult. That's what I tell all my pastors. I know you have 12 meetings. I know you have 13 meetings. You don't worry. We will preach twice a week and give you enough to fill your whole week. You go do. We will do the work. You do the other side. We will do it. You have to understand. David understood this is a season in my life. What is my season? To prepare. Get everything ready for the next generation to build. And each generation has to remember this. What is my purpose? I don't make it more difficult for the next generation. I make it easier for the next generation to build the house of the Lord. That is what you are building. Something that is eternal. The house of the Lord. You are the house of the Lord. And we make it easy. That's what David did. Easy for Solomon to build. That's how we find our purpose. There are seasons. There are times. There is purpose. 2019 is almost over. 20 is here. So shall we stand this morning and ask the Lord, help me to have the spirit of the sacre and not to miss that understanding of what I personally need to do in your kingdom. It may look very small in man's eye, but it is not small in your eyes. I just have to fulfill God's purpose in my generation. Therefore, redeem the time for the days are evil. Know what is the will of God. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father, for that season of salvation in our life. That you did not pass us by. You reached and touched us. And you saved us. But now that we are in the kingdom, I pray we have open ears. To hear and to know and to do the will of God in our generation. Everyone, wherever God sends us, wherever God has placed us, we have only one purpose. To do the will of God. For this world and its desires are passing away. But your word says, he who does the will of God will live forever and ever. Thank you, thank you, Father. We truly are not building your house. You are building a house for us. We just want to thank you once again. So go through this week. Go with us. Go before us. And above all, open our ears that we may hear your voice. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.